I invite you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, you're kind of used to me saying that now, right? After a few weeks. You won't know what to do next week when we go to the New Testament in John. You'll have to be retrained. But Psalm 119 is where we'll take our text today as we look at God's truth together. I was having lunch this week with a friend of mine uh, who I had pastored in a previous church. And we were sitting and we were talking. And he said, well, Reggie, what are you preaching on right now? What are you doing? And I said, well, actually, I'm preaching on the authoritative truth. Before I even uh, came, um, the staff and others had prayed and looked at what God had for Temple, and they had already set this series uh, apart together. And we decided as I was coming, you know, it would be a great thing, and somehow I would work my messages around this emphasis and that we would uh, study the authoritative truth together. And he looked at me and he said, really? And I said, yeah. He said, how long is this? And I said, six weeks. And he said, well, you've been preaching on that for the past two years. So how are you going to just get it into six weeks? And I said, well, I said, I th we're going to work it, but it doesn't mean it's confined just to six weeks. This is just our emphasis as we're working through the truth and we're talking about the truth. And he said, well, what better way could you start your ministry there at Temple than to begin with the Authoritative Truth series? And I said to myself, I said, exactly. The way God in his sovereignty works, God working in the staff and speaking to them and planning this, and then for me to begin ministry here and really begin my time with you by talking about the authoritative truth. Because really, as I said in my tidings article this morning, uh, this week, and all of you read my tidings article... Yes? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> as I said in my tidings article this week, that's what we've got to base everything. My ministry here, Temple Baptist Church, the foundation that we have is the truth of God. If we get, move away from that, we lose our ministry, we lose our focus, we lose what God has called us to do. So what a, there wasn't a better way than to begin with this idea of the authoritative truth. And in the past few weeks, we've talked about how it is the truth, God's Word is, how you can trust it. We've talked about how it transforms our lives. We've talked about how God has called us just to do the truth, not to be a hearer only, but a doer. We've talked about so many different aspects of the truth. And as we come and we close out this series today, I do believe right, rightly we focus on declaring the truth as we talk about speaking the truth, as we talk about communicating the truth to others. I think it's the right place for us to close this series, and it is the right place in which the psalmist closed Psalm 119. I want you to look, verse 169. Read along silently as I read it aloud. The psalmist concludes his time here, concludes his writing by saying, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you. And let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a sheep, like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, 
for I do not forget your commandments. This week, someone sent me a, an email reminding me of the words of the late Dr. Adrian Rogers. And this was what Dr. Rogers said concerning the truth. He said, when the child of God loves the word of God and sees the son of God, he is changed by the spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God because he has found the truth of God. Now that's a mouthful, right? But it certainly reminds us that as we come to the word of God and to his truth, that what God wants to do is transform us. And then as he transforms us, that not only in our actions and activities will we reflect the truth, but also in the way we speak, in, in, in who we are, and the way we communicate with one another. As a matter of fact, when I look at Psalm 119 and I see the way the psalmist closes this passage, it reminds me that the psalmist is basically saying, I will declare his truth, I will declare God's truth in my worship. Now, that, shouldn't, that really shouldn't surprise us. Because the psalmist, as he is writing here, is writing with a heart of worship. He is expressing himself to God. And of course, the psalms themselves, as they were collected together, became in essence the ancient hymn book of Israel. So here you have the worship handbook. You have the hymn book. And what the psalmist is saying within this passage is that I will declare your truth even in worship itself. Notice verse 171 says, my lips shall utter praise. My, in verse 172, my tongue shall speak or sing of your word. So in other words, he says, truth is going to be at the center of my worship. And that truth is going to motivate me to worship. Truth or worship is simply the natural response to God's truth. Worship is the natural response to God's truth. If I'm going to declare his truth in worship, it should just be a natural response of worship that I have in my life. Now, you have to begin worship with truth. The truth of God and who he is and what he's done in your life. That, that really begins that opportunity for worship. If we worship apart from truth, we're not really worshiping. We may be gathering together. We may be singing songs that we enjoy. But we're not really worshiping. Worship is a natural response to God's truth. When God reveals himself to us and shows himself strong, who he is in our lives, then it motivates us to worship. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, how in the world can we worship God in a way that is exciting and passionate and moving if we do not know anything about him? How can the heart really respond to that which it does not know? There is content to the revelation that God has given us. The more we understand the revelation of God that God has given us about himself, the more we ought to be moved to worship and praise him in response. In other words, it begins with truth, the truth of who God is and what he's done in our lives. And it moves us to a place of worship that we will declare in our worship his truth. A.W. Tozer says that worship rises or falls with our concept of God. Now notice, when you read through Psalm 119, you'll see the psalmist concept of God. 
even in this passage, notice verse 169, when he says, let my cry come before you, O Lord, give me understanding according to your word. Even in that, the psalmist is saying, God, I believe you can help me. That's the reason I'm crying out to you. And he'll say this again in 173, let your hand become my help. He says, God, I believe you're powerful enough to help me. I believe that you're willing to help me or otherwise I wouldn't even ask. I believe that you are wise. I believe that you are all-knowing. I believe that you will and can help me in my life. So he is speaking of God as being truthful and beneficial and powerful. Think of this concept of God the psalmist has and the way he paints this picture even in his worship. He is speaking about a God that is worthy of our worship. And when that truth hits us, when that truth hits us, our natural response will be to worship him. Natural response. All of us respond to something. We have different things in our lives, but we respond to different things. You're responding right now. Some of you are <clears throat> responding like this. You may be hearing me, but you respond. Some of you are some of you are on the edge of your seats. About two of you. You're responding. You respond when we, I say something, whether you smile or whether you... We all respond to different things in our lives. I know you do. I've been to a tech game already, and I see some of you responding very forcefully in life, you know? Much more forcefully than you do at church most of the time. We respond natu naturally to certain things. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to make up something. It's just authentic. Somebody comes and they tell you that your grandchild has just been born. What happens? You smile. Even the most difficult, cantankerous guy I've ever met will usually smile. Why? Because it's natural. When something else happens in your life, you naturally respond with excitement. If it's a job promotion or perhaps... Uh, a new beginning, you will smile, you'll have excitement in your life. On the other hand, when bad news comes, nobody has to, nobody has to say to you, now this is a moment where you have to sorrow. This is a moment where you're supposed to be sad. They don't have to tell you that because you naturally respond to that news or to that truth that you've been given. The psalmist he didn't have to be told you're supposed to worship. He didn't have to be told, you know, when you come to God, you should respond in a spirit of worship. Because the psalmist has already experienced the truth of who God is and his word. He has seen that truth and he has naturally responded with an attitude of worship. Part of the reason sometimes I think we cannot enter into a good spirit of worship is because we have forgotten or we have neglected the right concept of God in our lives. We have neglected or we have forgotten the truth of who God is and what he has continued to do. When we see God high and lifted up as Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6, we will naturally respond in a spirit of worship.
So listen, the psalmist basically says here, I will declare your truth in my worship. It will be a declaration of truth when I come to worship. Be my natural response. And it will be a natural reflection of God's truth in our worship. In other words, as we worship together, truth itself needs to be apparent. It needs, it needs to be exhibited in who we are. In everything that we do, worship should be the natural reflection of God's truth. I love this. It says, again in verse 171, my lips shall utter praise. I got down and I dug a little bit into that verse, into that original verb that's there, utter. It, it, mean, it means to pour forth. It means to spring forth. In other words, it's like in his life, worship is just pouring out. It's just oozing out. Wouldn't you love just worship just to ooze out of you? Just to pour forth. God's truth. And that the truth itself, verse uh, 54 of Psalm 119, he had said, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. In other words, the truth, the statutes, the commandments, they have made up my songs. They have made up my worship. The truth itself has, has been the essence of my worship. My worship has reflected, naturally reflected God's truth. All of our worship should naturally reflect God's truth. I remember a conversation I had some years ago. This guy came to me and he said, you know, Brother Reggie, I think what we need to do is we need to expand our, rush, our worship repertoire some, our content, our people. And as a matter of fact, we need to be a little more seeker-sensitive, bringing people in. And look, I am... Very secret sense. I think we ought to be open to doing things to encourage people to come in and all of that. But he said something. He said, maybe what we need to do is start playing some music that we hear on the radio all the time. He said, this church, I'm not going to tell you where it is because some of you know where it is probably. But he said, this church up North Louisiana <clears throat> said they're doing this. They were, I was up there the other day and they played Brown Eyed Girl when they got started. Now, look, I have an affinity for brown-eyed girl. Why? Because I married one, all right? Have an affinity for that song. But I told him then, that has no place in our worship service. Why? Because it does not reflect the truth of God in our people and in our worship. It's a good song. People enjoy it. We might get everybody revved up this morning if we played it, right? One way or the other, you'd be revved up, I guarantee you. I'd get a few phone calls tomorrow. But it has nothing to do with the essence of worship. When I'm declaring God's truth in worship, it's a natural response to who God is, but my worship is reflecting God's truth itself. Did you see the songs we were singing and what we were saying about the blood of Christ and the victory that we have? And whether it's in this service or the gathering, I, I have I've seen that truth expressed in the songs. And that must be at the essence of who we are. We do not sacrifice the truth 
simply to be relevant. You can be relevant and you can still embrace the truth of God in our lives and even in our worship. The psalmist had said that even his, the statutes of God had been his songs, that the songs themselves had been made up of God's commands and word and truth. So I say to you that as we gather together, as we make commitments here, as those we've recognized making commitments through baptism in a few moments as we commit, even as we take of the Lord's Supper, I would suggest to us that we ought to commit today to declaring God's truth in our worship. And when people come into this place and they sense God's truth in worship, prayerfully, hopefully, they will be drawn to a relationship with Him. Isn't that what we're striving for? For us to grow in our relationship and to invite others to join. I hope and pray that people come into this place, even this morning, and they say, those people, those folks there at Temple, you can tell that they are naturally responding to God's truth and naturally reflecting it in their worship just as they seek Him, just as they follow Him. I hope they can sense that when they come into our worship services. So I say first the commitment is, I will declare God's truth in my worship. Second commitment I would ask you to make is this. Just as the psalmist did, that I will declare God's truth in all of my words, in all of what I say, not just in my worship, but in what I say. Again, his heart pours forth, springs forth, this praise. Notice it is a verbal, it is an oral proclamation of who God is. Back again in verse 13 of Psalm 119, he said, With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. This week, as I was studying and pouring forth through different um, books and study, and I came across something that really caught me. And this is what Gordon Clark said about the human language. He said, if God created man in his own rational image and endowed him with the power of speech, then a purpose of language, in fact, the chief purpose of language would naturally be the revelation of truth to man and the prayers of man to God. Now let that soak in just a moment. What he said is, if God has made us into his image and he has given us language, he has given us the ability to communicate, then isn't the chief purpose of our language to glorify him by speaking truth to other people and to relate to him? I thought that was just an awesome statement. Obviously, you don't, but I thought it was. <laughs> that the whole purpose of God gifting us with communication and language is to glorify Him and to declare His truth. 
Now, I love to talk. You can sense that, can't you? I love to talk and I love to visit with people. And, um, you know, uh, some of you, I know you do too. And it's wonderful to communicate with one another and to talk about things. And I'd talk with you any day about the Ole Miss football program if you wanted to talk about that. Or, I don't know, lemon ice box pies I could talk about. And I, I mean, there's so much. I'm really in-depth on so many issues and topics, as you can tell But the chief end of me being able to speak and the language that I'm able to communicate is not just talking about the trivial things of life, but rather talking about the truth of God. If we believe what we have said the last few weeks. If we believe that God's word is truth, that it is only through his truth that people can come to a saving knowledge of Christ, then it seems evident to me that we have a responsibility to speak that truth in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our nation, and around this globe. If we really believe that God has revealed to us his truth, if we really believe that the truth is that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf, if we believe that the truth is that only through Jesus Christ paying the price for us on Calvary and being resurrected, in that glorious power, if we believe that only our faith and trust in him saves us, then we have a great responsibility to speak truth to others. I'm not talking about just arguing with people. D.L. Moody once said that the way to demonstrate a stick is crooked is not by arguing about it. It's not about denouncing the fact that it is crooked, but rather the best way to confront it is to lay a straight stick right by it so that those who would argue or those who would try to maintain that the crooked stick was not, that they could literally see it. And I think that's what God has called us to do, is just lay the truth bare before individuals. That they may see it, that they may know it, that they may embrace it and come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I will speak of it in my worship, I will declare it in my worship. I will declare it in all of my words. I will speak the truth. And this psalmist, he's like a preacher, isn't he? Again, some of you read Psalm 119. How long is that thing, huh? He couldn't seem to stop talking about it. And if God has truly penetrated our hearts and lives, we shouldn't be able to stop, stop talking about it. Notice even... Here in Psalm 119, 
He talks about salvation. I long for your salvation. Verse 176, he says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. It's like a personal testimony based upon the truth of God. Some of you look at me and you say, Brother Reggie, I can't declare every element of doctrine and truth. You know, I'm still working on some things in my life. Did I say that? You already voted on me, so it doesn't matter now, right? You don't know I haven't got it all figured out. Still working on some of those things myself. God's not calling you to declare every element of doctrine to people. He wants you just to be willing to declare the truth of God as it has been applied to your life. There's some of us in this place that could say to our friends, you know, I was lost. But now I'm saved. I was a sinner. And yet God intervened in my life. Brought conviction. Saved me through the marvelous grace of Jesus Christ. You can say that. You can tell them about who Christ is. And what he's done. And many of us in this place, we could be just like the psalmist. And we could say, and by the way... There are days we have gone away from God. There are days we've done it on our own. But he has continued to seek us, to seek me. And he has brought me back. The powerful truth of God unleashed from your life to another. He wants us to be willing to declare his truth to others. Would you commit today to declare it in your worship, to declare it in your words, to declare the truth with everything that you have, that it would just pour forth from you, that it would spring forth naturally to others. And may God take that witness that we have, and may he bring conviction, may he bring challenge and commitment in others' lives and may individuals be set free by the truth of the living God we serve.